0: Chapter Seventeen Part Two of Struggles and Triumphs, or Forty Years' Recollection of P. T. Barnum, Written by Himself This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. Struggles and Triumphs of P. T. Barnum. Chapter Seventeen The Jenny Lynn Enterprise Part Two Extract from a letter addressed to John Hall Wilton by Phineas T. Barnum and referred to in paragraph number four of the Annexed Agreement New York, November sixth, eighteen forty nine. Mr. J. Hall Wilton, Sir, in reply to your proposal to attempt a negotiation with Mademoiselle Jenny Lynn to visit the United States professionally, i propose to enter into an arrangement with her to the following effect i will engage to pay all her expenses from europe provide for and pay for one principal tenor and one pianist their salaries not exceeding together one hundred and fifty dollars per night to support for her a carriage two servants and a friend to accompany her and superintend her finances i will furthermore pay all and every expense appertaining to her appearance before the public and give her half of the grocery receipts arising from concerts or operas. I will engage to travel with her personally and attend to the arrangements, provided she will undertake to give not less than 80, nor more than 150 concerts or nights' performances. Phineas T. Barnum I certify the above to be a true extract from the letter. J. H. Wilton i was at my museum in philadelphia when wilton arrived in new york february nineteenth eighteen fifty he immediately telegraphed to me in the cipher we had agreed upon that he had signed an engagement with jenny lind by which she was to commence her concerts in america in the following september i was somewhat startled by the sudden announcement and feeling that the time to elapse before her arrival was so long that it would be policy to keep the engagement private for a few months, I immediately telegraphed him not to mention it to any person and that I would meet him the next day in New York. When we reflect how thoroughly Jenny Lind, her musical powers, her character, and wonderful successes were subsequently known by all classes in this country as well as throughout the civilized world, it is difficult to realize that at the time this engagement was made she was comparatively unknown on this side of the water we can hardly credit the fact that millions of persons in america had never heard of her that other millions had merely read her name but had no distinct idea of who or what she was only a small portion of the public were really aware of her great musical triumphs in the old world and this portion was confined almost entirely to musical people, travelers who had visited the Old World, and the conductors of the press. The next morning I started for New York. On arriving at Princeton, we met the New York cars, and purchasing the morning papers, I was surprised to find in them a full account of my engagement with Jenny Lynn. However, this premature announcement could not be recalled, and I put the best face on the matter anxious to learn how this communication would strike the public mind i informed the conductor whom i well knew that i had made an engagement with jenny lind and that she would surely visit this country in the following august jenny lind is she a dancer asked the conductor i informed him who and what she was but his question had chilled me as if his words were ice really thought i if this is all that a man in the capacity of a railroad conductor between philadelphia and new york knows of the greatest songstress in the world i am not sure that six months will be too long a time for me to occupy in enlightening the public in regard to her merits i had an interview with wilton and learned from him that in accordance with the agreement it would be requisite for me to place the entire amount stipulated one hundred and eighty seven thousand five hundred dollars in the hands of the london bankers i at once resolved to ratify the agreement and immediately sent the necessary documents to miss lynn and Messrs. benedict and belletti i then began to prepare the public mind through the newspapers for the reception of the great songstress how effectually this was done is still within the remembrance of the american public as an example of the manner in which i accomplished my purpose I present the following extract from my first letter which appeared in the new york papers of february twenty two eighteen fifty perhaps i may not make any money by this enterprise but i assure you that if i knew i should not make a farthing profit i would ratify the engagement so anxious am i that the united states should be visited by a lady whose vocal powers have never been approached by any other human being and whose character is charity and simplicity and goodness personified miss lynde has great anxiety to visit america she speaks of this country and its institutions in the highest terms of praise in her engagement with me which includes havannah she expressly reserves the right to give charitable concerts whenever she thinks proper since her debut in england she has given to the poor from her own private purse more than the whole amount which i have engaged to pay her and the proceeds of concerts for charitable purposes in great britain where she has sung gratuitously have realized more than ten times that amount the people soon began to talk about jenny lynn and i was particularly anxious to obtain a good portrait of her fortunately a fine opportunity occurred one day While I was sitting in the office of the museum, a foreigner approached me with a small package under his arm. He informed me, in broken English, that he was a Swede, and said he was an artist, who had just arrived from Stockholm, where Jenny Lind had kindly given him a number of sittings, and he now had with him the portrait of her which he had painted upon copper. He unwrapped the package, and showed me a beautiful picture of the Swedish nightingale, enclosed in an elegant gilt frame about fourteen by twenty inches it was just the thing i wanted the price was fifty dollars and i purchased it at once upon showing it to an artist friend the same day he quietly assured me that it was a cheap lithograph pasted on a tin back neatly varnished and made to appear like a fine oil painting the intrinsic value of the picture did not exceed thirty-seven and one-half cents After getting together all my available funds for the purpose of transmitting them to London in the shape of United States bonds, I found a considerable sum still lacking to make up the amount. I had some second mortgages which were perfectly good, but I could not negotiate them in Wall Street. Nothing would answer there short of first mortgages on New York or Brooklyn City property. I went to the president of the bank where I had done all of my business for eight years, i offered him as security for a loan my second mortgages and as an additional inducement i proposed to make over to him my contract with jenny Lynn with a written guarantee that he should appoint a receiver who at my expense should take charge of all the receipts over and above three thousand dollars per night and appropriate them towards the payment of my loan he laughed in my face and said mr barnum it is generally believed in wall street that your engagement with jenny lynn will ruin you i do not think you will ever receive so much as three thousand dollars at a single concert i was indignant at his want of appreciation and answered him that i would not at that moment take one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for my contract nor would i i found upon further inquiry that it was useless in wall street to offer the nightingale in exchange for goldfinches i finally was introduced to mr john l aspinwall of the firm of Messrs. howland and aspinwall and he gave me a letter of credit from his firm on bearing brothers for a large sum on collateral securities which a spirit of genuine respect for my enterprise induced him to accept after disposing of several pieces of property for cash I footed up the various amounts and still discovered myself $5,000 short. I felt that it was indeed the last feather that breaks the camel's back. Happening casually to state my desperate case to the Reverend Abel C. Thomas of Philadelphia, for many years a friend of mine, he promptly placed the requisite amount at my disposal. I gladly accepted his proffered friendship and felt that he had removed a mountain weight from my shoulders. End of chapter 17. Part 2. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona.